We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. You can also use my bookie to bet on the Call of Duty World League. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Reload, as we do here every single week on Prediction, the esports video talk show network. You can find... The Reload, of course, live here on twitch.tv slash prediction esports, as well as on YouTube, and now as well on iTunes. Who who here has been listening to us on iTunes? If you haven't done so already, make sure to check us out there. We've got every single one of our shows up there right now. We recently just added Overwatch as a game, which or rather as a show here, which is fantastic. Got Lemon Kiwi and Joshy holding it down, so massive props to them. 
Like I said, you guys can also find us on YouTube. Like I said, iTunes as well. Uh, and make sure right, to listen to all of our podcasts there. It's not just the reload. It's not just one thing or the other. We've got a ton of different shows going on right now as Prediction offers the chance to learn and converse on more in-depth subjects about all of the latest and greatest esports from NBA 2K to Overwatch to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and obviously here to Call of Duty as we are rapidly expanding each and every day and boy do we have some stuff to talk about i was talking to a few different people coming into the show today as we just have a ton of stuff to unpack a ton of stuff to try and bring up and um for those who have listened to the reload previously you know we try to lock it down to 30 minutes which we try to keep it into this kind of 30 minute cap this week it's not going to be that way we're thinking 45 minutes to an hour uh because of the sheer amount of things to discuss now whenever i give myself a a timer i almost feel like i always kind of overdo it or sometimes i overdo it or rather underdo it so we'll have to kind of see how everything works out but uh, like i said we've got things like cod champs to talk about i mean how crazy of an event was that uh talking about modern warfare i got to play quite a bit of modern warfare this uh past week and being at cwl champs so for those who uh are somewhat familiar have got to maybe watch the game a little bit i played it know a ton about it as well so uh for those who maybe have a, a little bit of curiosity coming into what will be the alpha this friday got a lot of little tips and stuff like that to talk about uh, we've also got a number of different reports on the quality league next year coming in uh in terms of a number of different discussions how things are looking richard lewis obviously reporting on that with, with uh, the deserto squad so excited to talk about a few of those things we've got the rumored florida spot which i've heard a lot of conversation about this one uh, so I'm very excited to kind of hear more about this, uh, more about maybe kind of my opinions on this location specifically, what this means for the CDL. And then obviously we got to talk about it. Roster mania, man. We've already got players. We've already got teams announcing uh, pickups, trades, ever not trades, but free agents. I mean, a number of different things kind of going on. So like we said, we've got a, a packed episode to talk about. Excited to obviously engage with you guys here. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, obviously. You can feel free, right? Check us out, twitch.tv slash prediction esports. The reload is live, uh, what, every single Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's, uh, what, 11.30 Central, 10.30 Pacific, and 9.30, or no, that'd be 9, who, who cares, 9.30 Pacific. <laughs> you get the point, right? We're live here every Tuesday, same time, same place, so make sure to check us out so you guys can obviously engage with the chat, as I will be doing, uh, kind of throughout the entirety of the episode. So if you hear me calling a name, it's because there's someone in chat trying to communicate but i appreciate you one up i see you in the chat saying uh, appreciate me for or rather saying that i've been overachieving well i appreciate that really do a lot uh and then snudzy we will be getting into a few things regarding phase because that is a, a major discussion in terms of roster changes the first thing that i really want to make sure that we're covering the first thing that i think is is one of the most important thing uh is cwl champs right con champs this year was the seventh annual which is insane to think about and i gotta say massive shout out to uh adam episode the entire team um for the video that they had coming into champs i actually hadn't seen that yet so the fact that they kind of went over the, the you know the dynasties the, the teams that have won prior i think is just an incredible testament to call duty's history and one, and one thing that I think a lot of people don't really realize it's just a matter of who's winning that year when we don't really reflect and think about this was the seventh Call of Duty Champs that we have had. Seventh one. It's it's unbelievable to think about how long the Champs kind of, you know, factor has been alive for. How long, you know, Call of Duty has been thriving for in terms of competitive. So it was unbelievable. But I think for me, this was by far 
the best event Call of Duty has ever seen. Uh, from talking to a few of the casters, the analysts, I mean, even a few people who I got to, to meet at the event this past week, which was awesome. Major shout out to everybody who I got to engage with. Uh, a lot of people were saying this was the event. If you weren't here, it's unfortunate, uh, but that was the event. The crowd was crazy. The matchups were insane, and the storylines for me will never be matched. Uh, we talk about right Optic Gaming's final tournament, Envy's struggles, the final event before franchising, and the most, without this isn't even a question, the most enchant, intense champs to date where everybody is trying to prove their worth ahead of franchising. You talk about the amateurs wanting to make sure that they have enough stock coming into next year. Veterans trying to prove that they still have what it takes to play for franchising next year, which will be the most important year for players is next year. That's when the money increases. That's when everything starts to get more legitimate. This was your chance to prove something and to show that you are a talented player coming into next year. So with just those things in mind, just with the the optics, the the phase, the envies, like all of those things to know that those brands will no longer be playing under those same names is incredible. And like I said, we don't, we don't know like what organizations are going to be involved next year. That's obviously still up in, in the air. It's still kind of in the conversation. Uh, and Snudzy's already bringing it up, right? So, so many crazy games. Singularity had a crazy tournament. And that too, right? We had so many different amateur players or teams that were on the rise. We talked about Sicario, Singularity. And I know E6 isn't an amateur team, but in terms of their lineup, the way that they got to that placement was out of this world. It really was. It was an event that I will personally never forget. I tried to come into it the strongest way that I could as a caster and obviously as well as a as a spectator, but that was the pinnacle. I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again. I don't know if there will ever be that much on the line ever again because there's not really you're not gonna be able to say, oh, well next year it'll it'll be crazy because optic or it'll be envy or it'll be fate. And you can't say that anymore. You legitimately cannot say that anymore. As this was the event and what a fitting way it was for the pre-franchise era you know to go out right i mean everyone kind of remembers not everybody but um you know we kind of all were in the midst of joining call of duty uh in its path to now right i mean i, I personally joined back in black ops 1 around 2010 2011 uh you know the esport had kind of pretty much been on its legs somewhat it was trying to stagger its way until black ops 2 where it really kind of uh, started to form a little bit more, but ever since like what 2007, uh, going back to COD 4, the championships back then, everyone remembers 2008, 2009 nationals. I mean, all kinds of different tournaments, but this was a fitting way for the pre franchise era to go out. I mean, over a decade of history, over a decade of different games, titles, and there was so much on the line. Like I said, every player put out their best effort. Every time you saw a player kind of tweet out, oh, we were eliminated, but I gave it everything that I had, which as a spectator, as a fan, as anybody, an analyst, whatever you want to try to call yourself, myself included, that's what you want to see. You just want to see players giving their best effort. You want to see teams trying to do everything that they can in preparation for it. And I wish that I could have got my predictions out there, uh, no pun intended, right? Uh, my, my kind of thoughts on different matchups and whatnot kind of coming into this year. So my apologies uh, for not, I, I pretty much got contacted last second to commentate the event, which was which was incredible. I would not trade that for anything, but uh, my apologies for not getting an episode out. I, I really wanted to try to cover this to give it a, a lot of uh, legs for those, maybe even more eyeballs. Uh, we, we gained a lot. We had a lot of eyeballs there, but my apologies for that one. Uh, for not having a an episode out last week, but uh, let's go and talk about a few different things, right? We talk about early knockouts because this one for me was crazy. Every champs, right, has their shocking result, and this one was no different. However, it raised the standards again. And chat, let me know what your guys' thoughts were on this one. This knockout for me was probably the most insane that we have ever witnessed. Genji getting out top thirty-two 
they were eliminated in like five or six hours. Like, like literally, like the team who has been the most consistent roster throughout the entirety of Black Ops 4 eliminated in day one. They didn't make it to Thursday. Like we, we talked about, like, oh, you know, can you, did you make it to Sunday? Did you make it to Championship Sunday? They didn't even make it to Thursday, which is absurd. I mean, I, I personally got the Cats through a last game. I was spectating a lot of their matchups and... Um, their pool that they were in uh, was one that, as uh, as the games that I were kind of preparing for in terms of the Charlie stream, uh, the pool B was kind of like one of our main focuses. So I was watching Fuego and Team More uh, play quite a bit and seeing or kind of preparing for them, kind of getting a little bit of what their idea was coming into this. And it was just like, okay, whenever they lose to Genji, can they take down E6? And I'm glad that Unknown Kid brought it up. He said, by AM teams. They got eliminated by amateur teams, which is true by definition. I hate to call people amateurs, but it is the exact definition of who they lost to. They didn't even make it to Thursday. And according to what I heard, and this was kind of something that was going on, uh, I think on broadcast, people were discussing they went one and seventeen in maps uh, from their boot camp. Then it was later talked about how they went actually two and twenty five in maps at their boot camp. So that is it is not good. That is horrible considering the knowledge that we have about Genji. And they've talked about you know when it comes down to scrimmages, how they're a team that doesn't really take it as seriously. But coming in champs, it is a new beast. It is a different beast where everybody is performing at their standards. And for this champs as well, all things considered, the way that we know how this champs is going to work, we talked about this right. Everyone is going to put everything on the line. If you have never played your best, if you have never really looked for an opportunity, this is it. I mean, you, you pretty much have been on this road for as long as players have been competing, and you get to this point in the road where it's, hey, this could be the end. This could be the end for everybody who is involved, and for them to go that way in terms of maps at their boot camp, whether they were taking it seriously or not, which I don't really know all the details about, but if they weren't taking it seriously, they deserve the placement. Realistically, they deserve the placement if that's how they're treating champs coming into it now i don't know like I, i'm i'm aiming at a scenario of which i was told happened do i know that for certain absolutely not so take what i'm saying with a grain of salt however if they came into it without really kind of taking it seriously that's the placement and even as the most consistent team in black ops 4 that's what can happen to you at certain events so crazy for me to see Jinji eliminated as i thought that this was going to be a team i think on everybody's radar was at least top six like i think you'd be crazy to not have them at least in your top six um i personally thought this and since i, I don't really have any firm backing to it i can't act as if oh it was my prediction it was my call i didn't think that they were going to go super far i didn't think we were going to see them in top four but to see them top 32 never not in my mind it never crossed my mind that they would not get out of groups which is crazy to think about but we talk about a roster like so that is the best average placement of any team in Black Ops 4. Back-to-back, second-place finishes, and they get last. They just get last. And they lose what I think it was to, to uh, Fuego first, 3-2. They lost the hard points, which I was shocked about. Uh, watched their first hard point. They got rocked. Uh, Fuego, I, I knew, were a decent team, right? Led by Mad Cat and the boys, Hockey and Co. But I just did not think that that was going to occur. I, I really didn't. I knew Fuego. They talked about how they were confident in Search and Destroy, yet they were Dons at hard point, uh, from what I at least got to witness. So crazy to watch those guys do what they did. Uh, and then later, right, Genji faced off against Team More. Everyone's thoughts are, okay, we're going to see Genji start to turn up. Uh, even talking to a few of the casters, it was just like, okay, this is this is surely going to be it. This is surely when Genji started to turn things around. There was a few rosters, right, who had a had a slow start. They lose an early map. They maybe lose an early series, if you will. Uh, and they're kind of in a little a bit of an awkward spot, but they need to kind of turn they need to turn the tide around. And they just couldn't do it. Genji just did not have it within them. So who knows whether or not it was just the ability of 
not having confidence, maybe losing to Fuego did a lot for them, maybe not having the IGL that maybe they wanted or something like that could have caused a little bit of an issue. But I don't know. For me, I think at that moment, that's when you want to have a veteran. That's when you have. That's when you want to have a guy who can take over the roster and tell them everything that they're doing wrong. Which I feel like if they had Spacely at that time, even at the boot camp, if they were messing around, not taking it seriously, that's when you want a guy like Spacely in the lineup who's going to take nothing, no flack whatsoever. He's not going to take any uh, excuses whatsoever. He's really going to kind of work on the roster hardcore. So I don't know. Maybe it was the issue of them not having a dedicated IGL, not focusing on the right game modes. Who knows? But a top 32 placement Oh, that's rough. And maybe it was just on the day. Sometimes teams have rough days. Like I said, COD Champs, it's a different story. You're in the passion pit. You're just trying to stay alive. And like I said, a number of different factors could have really caused uh, the problem. Uh, that's without question. And I think well, it'll kind of be the, the question for the future in terms of what could Genji have done? Could they realistically have placed second, third uh, in comparison to the way that E United, 100 Thieves, and Optic were all playing kind of toward the end of things? Even E6, right? They were playing incredible depending on the game mode. And I tell you what, Brezzy, I really wasn't sure what to think of that guy, but he went off. Uh, and in terms of kind of going from positives to negatives, right? Envy, which isn't really that much of a surprise that they finished off top 16, but based on the way that they were playing in groups, we talked about game fives last year for, for EG, right? Three out of the five players on this roster, same uh, kind of defending their title in terms of silly aches and assault. Uh, they pretty much come into this Envy lineup with a lot of issues, right? The most consistent team at champs in history. The boys in blue are the most dominant, the most successful team at champs. They come through with their worst placement out of all seven champs that they've attended with a top 16. Uh, like I said, they're joined alongside by more surprisingly, Phase and Splice. And uh, I got to cast over Splice. They looked fantastic in pools. And Snudzy's correct. He said Splice got top 16 as well, right? They did. They looked fantastic in pools. I think they only dropped one map, which was the one that I casted over, which was the hybrid. And it was a close respawn. And I think at the time, like you can kind of tell, Splice knew that they were through. Hybrid knew that they were out. Um, and it was just them kind of hanging out, not really caring all that much about it. So. They, they easily could have been uh, undefeated in pools. The only team who would have been undefeated in pools coming into the major bracket. Uh, and Hook was starting to have a fantastic performance, but they just lost it, right? I mean, Splice for me was a team that I had on my radar, obviously, along with FaZe, right? I think everyone would kind of have FaZe uh, in that position. Uh, and Splice obviously comes out. They lose to EG 3-1 and then to War Game 5, which uh, for a lot of people was obviously crazy, myself included. Uh, we talked about a number of different plays that maybe could have happened. Regardless, though, they lose it out and uh, they're eliminated. And same thing with FaZe, right? And that, this is the issue for FaZe, and I feel so bad for these guys because they face off against Reciprocity, who at times can be one of the hottest teams in the game. You talk about Dylan, Zed, Alex, and Control was incredible. And then they come in versus Reciprocity. They lose 3-1. And do we even, do we need to mention that? Yeah, we have to mention this, right? <laughs> the fact that they are versing 100 Thieves in one of the best series of all time, the best series comeback of all time, a series that FaZe, no questions asked, should have closed out. They should have eliminated 100 Thieves. They should have eliminated them, guys. And winners, or rather losers, round one. Can you imagine if we would have seen 100 Thieves with this placement? Because they should have had this placement. They had no right to even be in the Grand Finals considering this series, the way that it was looking. They, they what? It was a 1v3 in Search and Destroy. It was a 2v7 control loss. A 2v7. Are you kidding? It's unbelievable. It's crazy that FaZe get eliminated here and the way that they go out. And like I said, the talks about franchising, will they be in next season? Regardless, it's unfortunate that the name FaZe 
will only kind of have this way to go out, considering the way that their year was shaky. The fact they didn't originally qualify for the league and just kind of made it in at the end. It's uh, it's sad, man. It really is. But you look at that one as a FaZe fan, and that had to hurt like crazy. I mean, you talk about hard losses. I mean, in terms of the bracket, I'm actually going to pull it up really quickly for myself. I mean, they would have faced off against Sicario next run. I think that's doable for them. Faced off against EG next run after that. I think that's doable. You rematch against Rek. Maybe you get some better map picks. You're feeling confident about that. And then you face off against E6, which I personally think would have been close. But that is at least four placements higher than where you would have gotten, realistically. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's crazy to think about. And um, looking at the chat... Snudzy brought it up, right? FaZe were so close to beating 100T. Wonka's calling out that Rec had the hardest bracket. Rec definitely did have a hard bracket, man. I mean, there were some teams coming into winners, and everyone was thinking, okay, United, great position. Envy, I thought, also had a really good position as well. They were on the same side as United. FaZe, Rec, 100T, LG, OG, E6, all on the same side, which is crazy to think about. And Rec, you got to give him some props, even making it to... Uh, what would be winners round four? Um, you know, they, they had they had some pretty good moments. Uh, and unknown kids calling out Zinni versus Skies was a crazy one too, right? That LG versus uh, or what was it? It was the oh yeah, LG versus UIU game was absurd. Uh, UIU as well, right? I mean, the way that they kind of went down in that fashion, I'm sure, was not an easy pill to swallow. There was a number of different uh, talking points about memes that were being made for methods. I, I feel bad for that guy, man. I really do. I wish I could have caught that game because I actually didn't had the chance to but there was just so many different i mean the moments that we're bringing up right now um in terms of like the series that we watched would all be the headline they would realistically all be the headline for champs from years previous but yet these are all just highlights just great moments that we got to witness uh which is for me just unbelievable to think about if shaving is a terrible experience for you We've got you covered at Blue Wire. Our podcast network is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the low quality razors from convenience stores. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Sign up today. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. We got to talk about this Optic Gaming's final series. This one for me was hard. It really was. It was hard to see just because of the appearance um, that they made. Um... This, it was difficult, right? It was difficult for, or rather to watch the green begin to fade a little bit. I, I was taking a number of different videos. I was trying to watch all the players' reactions to whenever they ended up losing. Uh, and it really was kind of like a story. And I really thought that they had what it took to win 
for those who were with me, for those who kind of heard my predictions, I was talking to a few fans at the event, and I was saying, I really think that OG have the ability to take this. The way that they were looking, how strong that they were playing versus a few different rosters, I thought that they were going to take it versus United, and then for the Hunter T series, it was a little bit different, but I thought that it was going to at least go five games, and I don't know, it, it was just shocking to me to kind of see the way that it was played, uh, and with all the issues, right, that the org has been through, it almost hurt to watch them lose back-to-back -back series, to pretty much get hammered uh, and by EU, and then obviously the 3-0 closeout to 100 Thieves, which was close, right, but at the same time, anytime you watch a 3-0, it, it just hurts, it does, and there were so many situations where it was like, okay, they've got a 1v2, okay, they've got, uh, or rather a 2v1, excuse me, or a situation where they can clutch, and a number of different 1v1s that just did not go their way, and um, never again. Never again will we see the name Optic Gaming play in a professional ran Call of Duty tournament, along with a number of different names. But obviously, OG sticks out the most because of the history, the brand that they have. They've pretty much helped keep Call of Duty alive without question. It's kept the community afloat. And um, like I said, ever since their infancy, they've always been the fan favorite. Every person has somewhat of a soft spot for the organization that made everything happen. And when it comes down to even... Uh, in terms of uh, predictions, when it comes down to even in terms of the way that you feel about certain brands, regardless whether or not you, you hate Optic, if you're a fan of, of Envy, whatever it may be, however, um, you also have to keep in mind that if it wasn't for OG, you wouldn't be in that position. You, you really you would not be in that same situation. If it wasn't for Optic, you wouldn't have a reason to dislike them. So you got to give them respect no matter what. As much as teams or players or fans want to say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I just despise the boys in green. I despise that team. You have to give them the respect that they deserve. So my biggest of thank yous, right, to Optic Gaming, the entire organization, to Hex, to everyone who has kind of been involved with that organization, the journey involved with their run, the most sincere thank you for contributing and carrying the torch for Call of Duty Esports, because if it was not for them, we would all not be here. Realistically, 100%, it just it would not happen. So what's next for them? It, it For me, it sounds and seems like the Immortals Gaming Club will be using the Optic name for their CDL team, right, for next year in terms of franchising, which only makes sense for their brand uh, in terms of what Immortals' position is right now. You got the name, might as well use it. Um, but at the same time, what a run, right? What a run uh one of the best stories if not the greatest story in terms of my opinion in esports history the the run to try to grab the championship how dramatic that was how absurd it was and i really do hope something changes for them next year i, I hope that you know they end up getting someone of a a brighter ending a brighter closeout when it comes down to you know the future which i think is uh very very interesting you gotta be calling that one out so um what let's talk one talk about the next thing that we got because we obviously got to cover united's win right when i say this win couldn't have gone to a better organization i mean it literally like the guys over at e united i know work so incredibly hard each and every week they fill multiple positions they're doing everything that they possibly can you have to give them some props really you, you do you got to give them props for this win uh, I saw the players and I saw some of the staff afterwards and they were just overjoyed with their accomplishment because you know what? Winning Miami is nice. It is winning playoffs. It's absurd. It's an amazing feeling, but at the same time, this win for them was everything. And I, like I said, there's a lot of rumors, a lot of talk, about what's going to happen with them for next year. Are they getting into franchising? Who knows? I, I honestly don't know. I have no clue. So for them, regardless, maybe even knowing or not even knowing what, what happens for next year it is somewhat of a solace. It is somewhat of a nice situation for them uh, in terms of how they're feeling and whatnot. So, and I'll, and I'll be totally honest with this. Love the guys at United. 
did not predict them to win champs. I really I had Hunter Thieves winning this one. Uh, and I'll be honest, I thought after Hunter T had won their series versus Optic, I thought they were going to overwhelm United and force the second best of five. But that was clearly not the case. And that was probably one of the things for me which was the most shocking. Like, my mouth was open watching this grand final. Like, watching United in that first hard point take them down, the tiny tears, how they were dealing with every bit of pressure was admirable. It was incredible to witness. And... I thought that they were, like I said, going to overwhelm them, but that just wasn't the case. From the first hard point and in the later games, Abizi and Simp always had a reply. Arsteus was having fantastic moments. Clayster was going off from time to time, and Prestini, especially kind of in the later games, was having his best Call of Duty that we have seen probably since IW. I mean, he was having maps that just kind of gave me a quick little throwback to the way that he used to play whenever he was under the, you know, the OG United squad, if you will. But um, they were ready. They were prepared, and they were by far the best team at that event, taking down 100, uh, 100 T roster who even the analysts were calling this is just my opinion who the analysts were calling as the hunter t roster who looked like they were still on the same fumes from london and anaheim like they looked like they were that same roster who finally kind of caught their moxie they finally kind of caught their momentum so for me it was shocking literally to see them get taken down the way that they were and to pretty much be silenced uh right in terms of the way that things were going but uh taking a look at a few messages from the chat wonka's calling out that snd choke versus EU. Yeah, right. And in relation to Opti Gaming, right? Exactly. Totally agree. 16 kills from Dashi and the loss in SD for, and that's what Unknown Kids calling out as well. It is crazy. It really is crazy to think about how close a few different rosters were to having a totally different result, right? 100 Thieves being one. I mean, let's, let's kind of call this out. Who faces off in the losers' finals versus Optic if 100T doesn't make it? E6? Like, who makes it through in that situation? Is it FaZe? That's a totally different team. Maybe one that doesn't counter Optic as well as Hunter T does in terms of their uh, strongness when it comes down to response. If OG faces off against E United again, is it a different result? Literally that 1-2-V-7, that 1-V-3 scenario. I, was, I mean, we can call back to a number of different things, but could have changed everything. It realistically could have changed everything. But quickly getting back to United, which we obviously had to give them props for, right? Simp wins champs in VP, which for me was no shock whatsoever. He is the best player ever in the world he proved it at this event there's no questions asked in terms of is he the rookie of the year he is and he's only been a pro people were calling out for six months it's been for five months for just over five months he has been a solidified pro player his rookie season i thought would be great as someone who has casted over sent more than anybody else coming into his real professional career i thought he would do great things i thought he'd be in the conversation for rookie of the year but i didn't think it would be this far and above where we would see his performance of which it overtakes Kenny from last year. And half the time, the most impressive run that we've seen probably since Miracles back at Black Ops 2, of which you don't really remember, right? Black Ops 2, after one event, Miracles was uh, was part of the dynasty, winning multiple championships, one of those being a Call of Duty championships, right? The first one ever back at Black Ops 2. Uh, kind of trailed off at the end, though, in terms of placements, but I didn't think there was really going to be a whole lot of competition from then until now. But Simp, right, he wins, and this is just in five months, just in a five-month period, his first ever event, of which he only is at an open event, so you got to keep that in mind. But still, regardless, he wins his first event that he attends, uh, the CWL Fort Worth Open with FC Black. Later on, he goes to uh, finish second at CWL London and still look like the best player there. Um, plays top six in Anaheim, first in Division B when he got to play a few of those games, right, in terms of the CWL Pro League. He wins playoffs in Miami and wins champs. He's placed, or rather, he's won 
three out of five of his events that he's played in. He's won. I think I said that totally odd. He won three. He's won three out of his five events that he's played in up to this point, which is a 60% win percentage, folks. That's crazy. It really is. It is absurd. And you got to give some props right to the entirety of this lineup. And I know that Unknown Kid's calling it out and very well deservedly so. We've seen a BZ should have won it for me. Totally understand that. I do. I just think that in terms of the way that he would take over games specifically in Search and Destroy was unreal. Simp, in terms of that situation. Now, BZ control, that was his game mode. BZ was lighting it up. And for me, probably around the same position as Octane, around a few different players as well, were in the MVP conversation. Just when it kind of came down to performing, when it came down to lighting it up, I think Sim takes the cake, but you got to give props to a BZ, right? And and what would his, you know, KDs, what would his stats look like if he wasn't the, the main entry for the roster? But it was always those two in tandem together that really sealed the deal and really kind of did it versus the boys on Hunter T. But um, this is the reason why, right, in terms of Sim, kind of going back to him, why he was so hyped up by everybody. He pulled off one of the most dominant search and destroys, for me, the most dominant search and destroy that I have ever seen 14 and one pulls a three piece sniper versus units. If you're listening to this uh, and you haven't checked so already, make sure type in just on YouTube, type in wherever you'd like to. It's going to be all over Reddit. It's everywhere. Uh, the three piece sniper that simp had on Arsenal search and destroy versus units. And I will say this until I die. Never have we seen a player take over like that. And never has there been so much focus on, on a player dominating in that fashion. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I think at the time, was it, it must've been Miles and Momo who were calling it out and props to them were saying, hey, we've got to stick on him. There is nobody that we can go on board with the way that he was clutching with the strife, the way that he was performing with the sniper. I mean, 13 out of 14 of his kills came from either the strife or the sniper rifle. It's crazy. It, it's actually absurd. One kill came with a streak. The other one killed his teammate. So that kind of puts some perspective and that one streak allowed for him to clutch out the round. I mean, never have we seen someone just fully take over a game versus a very solid roster and units. I mean, they were great. They looked great when it came down to pools. Um, you know, in terms of the regular bracket play, they were looking pretty solid as well. So the fact that it was versus a super talented team. It was just rinse and repeat. And, and that's the reason why you got to give him so much props. You got to give him so much credit because of how many OLTs that he has played in in his career. Like, I mean, obviously coming from a UMG background, a, a number of different OLTs. Sim has been grinding since, what, he's like 14, 13 years old. I remember casting over back in Black Ops 3 where it was Simp the, the, the jetpacker, uh, and he was just wrecking people with the M8 and having just a ton of fun, just messing with people. And and uh, I actually got introduced to him by Maze's Realm. Shout out to Maze. Talked to me a lot about him, and I was like, okay, excited to see this guy play, and he just took over games. I mean, he has been doing this time and time again. He's known for search and destroy background, but, man, he took over this event. And for me, after this, the way that he played is the best player in the world and it would not come though without his teammates we obviously got to call that one out but uh like i said th this win meant a lot for the legacy of prestini in our cities right the twins they finally captured their title it meant a lot for for sims rookie season in terms of his kind of history which i think is is for me the best rookie season that we have seen i think you could argue kenny i think you could argue miracles but in the fact that he did this all in five months it's crazy. So if you want to take that into account, I understand it. But you look at Miracles, won a championship in his rookie year. Sim won a championship, or rather a world championship, in his rookie season as well. Kenny, three championships, props, and by far the best player of World War II. But I think for me, Sim takes the cake, and I think Miracles may be still in second. Because to win a world championship in your rookie year is the best achievement that you can have. So 
it's a conversation for a different day, for sure, right? It's uh, it's crazy to think about. And, and Snudzy's bringing it up, right? 1,400 days for Clay to win back-to-back GGs only, right? And it's also, I think, nearly 1,600 days since Clayster won a world championship, which is back, obviously, in Advanced Warfare. So it was, it was kind of, like, meant to be in the same kind of lineup, which is crazy to think about. Um, and uh, Shot Your Body said Miracles won four events. Did I say three? I think I might have said three. So, like I said, props, right? Miracles could be in that conversation as well and uh, absolutely deserves to be. But we'll kind of carry that one on. And uh, just bringing more, right, in terms of the fact that this was a lot for Simp's rookie season. It was a huge year for Ibiza. I was kind of giving him a major spotlight coming into this United roster because it's great when you're performing on E6. It's great when you're kind of performing early on. But when you get put on this brand as the guy, because he was the guy when they brought in Jacob, it was like, okay, Ibiza, this is your time. This is your time to perform. You're here with Pristini. You're here with Arsties. You are expected to slay. And he has. He, he has. After the first event, he really started to kind of come into his own. Obviously, along with Simp, they became the the tiny tears. And so that's huge for him. Uh, and also for Clacer's history, right? The phenom. The most incredible player to watch in terms of hype. He is the hype man. And uh, by far, one of the most influential players in Call of Duty Esports history now joins the elite group of repeating world champions with uh, just six people, right? You got Karma with three, Aches, Apathy, Crim6, Jcap, and now Clayster with two. And uh, as we kind of round out, right, the uh, the kind of world championship talk, we also have to kind of talk about really quickly. I, I, just, I just gotta say, I had a fantastic casting experience. I, my dream has always wanted to be the cast champs. Uh, for those who have followed me, for those who have watched me, this has kind of always been the event that I have wanted to do. Uh, I went to champs back in Infinite Warfare, and it was great, right? That's when OG captured the title. It was awesome to be there for that moment, but I had I did not want to be there. I Realistically, I did not want to be there because I was not commentating it, um, and that is my first event that I have been at since I've commentated, so that kind of puts it in perspective. It's been some time, so it was amazing to kind of be back there, uh, and I had a, a wonderful time casting the group stage. There were a number of different awesome tournaments and a number of different awesome players that I got to meet and watch and experience with, so it was great. And also, uh, for those who hadn't seen my tweets, I was the first person in the stands, actually, on Championship Sunday. I got there an hour and a half early because of how much that meant for me to be at Champs, to watch everything unfold. My emotions were high. I think everybody else were also uh or also were as well i'll say that um but it was amazing right to be in that position be on the very front row i had to be there to watch i was as close to the main stage as you could be uh and it was incredible to watch everything unfold to watch the amount of just unbelievable results players going off and the intensity of that event you literally could feel it like you really could feel every single amount of detail that were coming into a few of these matchups it was it was incredible so Massive props to United and a uh, an interesting end to a few uh, rosters, organizations as well. As I'm sure that everything is about to get crazy uh, in preparation for Modern Warfare. So, for those who have seen uh, a little bit of Modern Warfare gameplay, I got the chance to play it this past weekend, which was awesome. Um, I will say, let's let's think here. I probably played around. 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that uh, 2v2 games, um, because that was the only thing that you could play uh, when it came down to um, Modern Warfare, which was great. It had a little bit of a booth set up in the back. Um, and also, Snudzy brought this up. I know I'm kind of going back and forth, so my apologies for that. He did bring up the Kenyan Enable with back-to-back -back second places at champs, which uh, is true. It's just rather unfortunate, right, to, to be in that position, but still, got to give some props. And uh, Studsy also saying with props, or giving props to the casters and the production team. MLG, incredible. Literally, they, that was the best main stage 
that I've ever seen. Uh, without question, the best event that I've ever been to, the best event that I think Call of Duty has ever looked, and boy, did it deserve it. Uh, it, it definitely did, right? But let's go and talk about Modern Warfare. I know I've kind of veered off to a, diff a few different subjects, but I think it's important, right? I want to talk about this. Um, I'm really excited for Modern Warfare next season, obviously in terms of if, as it will be the first franchise game uh, that Call of Duty will have in terms of its life cycle. Um, and for those who didn't get to see how CD Build Champs worked, for those who maybe didn't get to watch or kind of hear for a few different people who played it, um, we only got to play the 2v2 mode, uh, which is interesting. Uh, we only got to play on three different maps, which were Stack, uh, King, and Pine, uh, more specifically. My personal favorite map, and you guys will be experiencing this, I think we're probably playing on the same build. Uh, I'll be able to confirm that uh, probably, what, next episode, because by then we'll have already played um, you know, the Modern Warfare Alpha, which is coming out on August 23rd. Um, but I'm pretty sure we're playing on the same build, probably playing the exact same maps, which will be those three. But I'm by far the biggest fan of King, uh, obviously a previous fan favorite, but it allowed for a lot of different strategy and fight engagement. You could play slow off the rip along with the fast, aggressive subs kind of in the middle. Um, a few details that I think it's, it's really important for people to know about this. And I think, and I'm not just saying this, you will have a huge edge if you know a few of the things that I'm getting ready to mention. Um, in terms of a few things that I learned... Um, and we only did have so many weapons and each variant obviously before a 2v2 mode game It's random you get random attachments you get random items in terms of your secondary. That's also random um, Pistols they take forever to kill like I'm not even kidding last or two years ago when I played the World War II beta um, Early pistols literally killed in two shots like legitimately two bullets Pistols this year, at least in this current build, they literally take eight to nine to 10 shots. And I'm not kidding about that. I promise I'm not joking about this in any way. Pistols take forever to eliminate somebody. Um, weapons were pretty well balanced, I'll be honest. Like I said, I only got to play 2v2, so it's not as if I was constantly spraying down players to know exactly how the movement and all those things worked. Um, but I was pretty happy with how the weapons were balanced. The time to kill really wasn't that bad either. It takes a little bit longer, uh, but nothing's really too bad at all. Um, the Deagle felt fantastic. I forget the exact name of it, but it was very, very good. Um, you could pretty much one-shot people pretty easily. Like, it, it either takes one to two bullets, and that's it. Like, legitimately, you fire a bullet, you're probably taking them down. If, you know, for whatever reason, you maybe hit them in a different hitbox, it's going to take maybe a run two. Um, but the AK uh, felt really good. The M4 was fantastic. Gosh, I cannot wait to have that weapon back in my hands. Um, and for me, the MP7 were kind of like the main weapons. Um... Whenever you got shot, it did feel like you were getting hit harder than you normally do. Um, and I feel like that, like, basically every time that I got shot, I thought that I was about to die. Like, even if it was just a bullet. Like, I, I remember a few times where I was playing with uh, a few different people, uh, and they would discuss um, how they were getting shot at. Uh, or rather, I would kind of discuss, like, hey, like, how many bullets did you fire at me? And they're like, I only got one. And like, even when I get shot by a pistol, which I, like I talked about, it takes like eight to nine bullets, you instantly felt like you were dead, which I'm not sure if that was just because of the stimming, how it works in, in Black Ops 4, if I'm just not prepared or used to how it uh, has worked prior. But just be aware of that. Um, whenever it comes to this alpha that is going to be out, whenever you get shot, you think you're about to die instantly, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, smokes last a super long time, which I'm incredibly happy about in terms of search and destroy. Hopefully that, that time continues to be the way that it is. Um, weapons have a lot of recoil in comparison to other titles. Be aware of this. Whenever you're playing in the alpha, there are a ton, or rather there is a ton of recoil. That is for sure. You fire a weapon, you are going to be shocked by how much recoil there is. 
you know, be, I'll be honest, I play a lot on uh, on PC. Big PC person. I like to play some con from, from now and then. But regardless, though, um, I was shocked. Uh, and a few people that I've been playing with, I also got to watch a few pros kind of play it as well. I think I was next to Pander and Spoof and Super. Uh, and I saw their reactions as well to the recoil. They're like, whoa, like <laughs> this is a little bit crazy. So if they're thinking that I, I think I'm kind of on the same line sites, I think I may be in good company, uh, in terms of that situation, but, um, what, what are a few other things? Uh, shotguns have scopes, which is kind of strange. And they also do a lot from range. So if you catch a shotgun that has a scope on it, do not be alarmed. Uh, they're very good. They are very very good shotties up close literally will one shot uh there's one shotty in particular that reminds me of uh, what was the shotgun back in black ops one i should know this um it wasn't the one that like you know with the pump shot it literally just had two shots and that was it i forget what it was called i'm sure chat will remind me um but it felt a lot like that weapon instantly would take you down uh and was by far the best weapon up close which it should be um the aug and famas felt really good i forget what the famas is called in this game it's like the fr i think uh that was good especially with the scope that really helped out a lot. My favorite weapon though, out of every single thing that I used, ARs included, was the MP7, uh, which could change. Uh, for me, it was a lot better than the MP5. I think Merck had talked about that when it came down to the multiplayer reveal for uh, Modern Warfare. He was talking about how he thought the MP7 was really good. That's also my favorite weapon right now. I think the MP5 is, is, is decent, but in terms of like at range, um, like I said, the ARs can only do so much up close, at least for now. Uh, and the SMGs for me just felt great. Like I, uh, whenever you're up close, which is what the SMGs are kind of useful for, um, I feel like they are the best. Um, and Shadi says we need to we need to not talk about the MP7. You know they're gonna nerf it pre-release, which is true. I mean, hey, that that could be the case. This is mostly though just kind of giving you guys somewhat of a, a preparation for what will most likely be the alpha. Because like I mean that's a great point to bring up, right? Weapon tuning, everything is gonna be changing up once the real game is out there. But in terms of the alpha, you guys are probably probably playing on the exact same build that I was. Uh, just adhered to which I would imagine would be the case um, but Like I said, I think the mp7 for me at this moment is the best gun in the game uh, Like I said ARs are nice, but with the amount of recoil that exists out there It's gonna be difficult to call an AR uh, in the best or kind of in, in the best situation right now. So um, Like I said, I think mp7 is the best gun in the game at this moment And I will say whenever you are playing this 2v2 mode something to really be aware of is your health you're going to win a lot of games just of the straight up knowledge of your health the situation that you're in i personally was clutching a lot of 1v1s just because i knew how much health that the enemy had and you'll have that kind of uh, indicator on the top of your screen you'll see how much health that you have in comparison to the enemy so make sure to be aware of that uh, at all times if you hold the health advantage if you're watching that middle flag you're going to be good every single time and i honestly won a lot of fights off of that just by pre-aiming the middle flag instantly tagging somebody up and then just backing away which may seem as if uh it's a dumb strategy but it worked really well it, it worked very very well so make sure to uh to be aware of that one um and also too make sure to wait on utilizing your nades your stuns your mollies mollies will win you the game at the end you just throw it on the flag and you're good like straight up it works that way um smgs rip up close shotguns were fantastic so i would say in terms of utility i would wait toward the end of the game because a lot of people want to instantly try and stun instantly try to hit something it's not going to work because of the way that the positions work and in the 2v2 mode the maps that we played there's a lot of places to hide so unless you know 100 where a player is i'd recommend waiting on utilizing those kind of toward the end game and i think you'll be in a really good position to most likely clutch out a lot of different stuff but make sure to be excited right modern warfare it felt good and i'm not getting in the honeymoon stage i'm not calling it a great game yet i'm not saying it's a bad game yet i'm waiting for the rest but i will say the um pace of the game which i only played 2v2 so i can only talk so much 
I don't think it's going to be like crazy slow. Like a lot of people are saying, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much more tactical. I don't think it's going to be as tactical as people think. It's going to be a lot slower in my opinion, but the way that you sprint, like when you put the weapon kind of to your side, it'll allow for players to not want to play as aggressive, but in the same situation, in the same conversation or discussion, um, the pace of the game isn't like absurdly slow, but 5v5, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a whole lot different. So we'll have to kind of see how that works. Uh, I was also told by a few casters who played at the Modern Multiplayer Reveal that doors are super interesting. Um, so I'm actually very curious to play that once we get the actual beta and then once the game comes out. Apparently, like, doors are hugely interesting in terms of, like, the noises that they make right now. Um, you can kind of, like, do three, uh, or rather, you can basically do three different things uh, in terms of, like, either immediately opening the door, pretty much, like, kicking it down. Uh, you can, like, basically open the door regularly or you can silently, like, peek through it all three of those have different audio cues of which all of them are loud. So I'm hoping that doors apparently are changed up a little bit. I was kind of excited about doors, which sounds really stupid, uh, but I was really excited about it coming into this year just because I feel like that's going to add some interesting strats when it comes to search and destroy. It may limit certain places and can allow for, you know, like a, a, a Counter-Strike, for example, with like talk about like Banana or, or whatever it may be, like certain positions that are just super interesting uh, when it comes down to... Um, the way that the game modes play. So I, I would just be aware of those things when it comes in a multiplayer. Those are just a few things that I had uh, ended up hearing about. But make sure if you haven't done so, right, to make sure to check out the alpha. The 2v2 mode is coming out this Friday, August 23rd, and it's only available on PS4. Hope to see you guys out there. And uh, as we kind of transfer into the next subject, which we're going to kind of fire through these last ones pretty rapidly, so make sure to be aware of that one. Um, but in the meantime, if you guys have not done so already, make sure uh, to follow us here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash prediction esports. If you're on iTunes as well, thank you, right, for listening. If you're in the Twitch chat, make sure to visit us on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, make sure to visit us here in the Twitch chat, right? Like I said, every, every single Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, we are live. Make sure to write, check us out on YouTube in terms of uh, seeing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, NBA 2K League, Overwatch. We've got everything covered, all of your esports that you would wish. We've got them locked down. And uh, maybe if you have a few recommendations for other games that we should hop into, make sure to let us know that. Tweet at us. Get involved in the conversation. And let us know what your thoughts are on the Esports Video Talk Show Network. Let's go and move into the next subject, though, right? Big, big story that actually happened right as the grand final was going on. Uh, Richard Lewis, uh, right, a very well-known and respected esports journalist, reported a few leaks that could and slash probably will be happening in the Call of Duty Franchise League next season. Uh, and this is according to a team deck. Each organization must have a general manager as well as 7 to 10 players on the roster. Um, contracts must be at a minimum of $50,000. Uh, the max player payroll is set to be $1.75 million in year one. Uh, $50,000, or rather 50%, excuse me, of the prize money earned by players must go to the player specifically, so the organization can't take more than 50% from the prize money earned. Uh, Activision expects a slot to be worth over $45 million in the next 10 years. Uh, they also expect media rights to be worth approximately $20 million in one year. Uh, the league also hopes to expand in the future to a 28-team city-based league, uh, which is pretty interesting to me. Uh, and also in the deck, it was discussed that the OWL's projection of revenue was expected to hit $25 million, when in reality it generated $82 million. Uh, but an, a decent amount of that money obviously came from the 
uh, Twitch settling, which was on a 45 million exclusive deal for online broadcasting rights. Uh, and later on in the article, if you did happen to read it, Activision did reply to this and report saying that there are some factual inaccuracies. So definitely something to kind of keep in mind, definitely something to bring up as uh this isn't really kind of too much of a shock i mean i kind of read throughout this list and projections are projections right these are things that they want to accomplish it's not things that are absolutely going to happen and according to activision they said this is somewhat inaccurate so you have to kind of keep that in mind but i think that most people would say this as well um now in terms of the max player payroll which is set to be 1.575 million dollars to be just you know uber exact i am interested to see how that kind of works out exactly i'm not 100 percent sure how all of that is going to function uh, in terms of like how organizations are going to kind of base that around how they're going to be aware of certain things. Because for me, um, I don't know, it's kind of odd. And when it comes down to the maximum player payroll, um, I'm imagining that's probably per team. I don't think that's per player. I could be wrong on that. Uh, you guys can feel free to fact check me, but I believe that is per team. Um, which like I said, isn't crazy. It's not unrealistic for that matter. Um, and in terms of the kind of minimum contract, which would be $50,000, which is the exact same as the OWL. I'm not surprised about that whatsoever. Just because the, the CDL is trying to get as close to the OWL as possible, right? They're owned by the same people, Activision Blizzard. So it's not a shock that like all of these are, are very kind of in line with the... Um, same principles as kind of like the sister esport, if you will. Um, so I would say for those who aren't aware, uh, and this is kind of public knowledge now, so I'm not saying anything that's crazy. The normal salary in COD goes by months. So you talk about how much money am I making a month? It's not like a yearly thing, um, but most contracts range in terms of Call of Duty uh, from five to $20,000 a month for those interested, right? For those who know that, for those who don't, now you kind of get the idea. Um, most top tier players, to my knowledge, are around the $10,000 a month, uh, kind of category. So you can kind of base that however you'd like. And if you think that's over, you think that's under, a lot of people will kind of talk about it and say, oh, they think that's a little bit over what it's maybe should be worth that. So it's kind of up to you. Um, but at the same time, and if this one point, what is it? 1.5, we'll just say $1.5 million in year one is based off of overall salaries. Um, it's not kind of out of the realm of possibilities. I don't think that's like as crazy as maybe a lot of people might think based off of how COD rosters are looking right now. Then we can go and talk about, you know, is the entire, uh, you know, situation right now for um, brands over what it should be. You know, I, I kind of get that conversation. I, I get that, that discussion, if you will. Um, but basically that's what 10 K good players. That's so let's say this, I'm kind of getting out of my, uh, my head right now. So I think what's, uh, S S C Y C says max average player salary of 250 K plus 50% of winnings, right? That's what I believe as well. I'd imagine that's that most likely will be the max, uh, at this moment. Who knows though? Like we don't really know all the details. We're, we're just kind of going off of what we have seen reports kind of come from, uh, you know, respected sources, obviously, but as of this moment, um, a super solid salary currently sits around 10, 15, 20 K 10 K, which is like I said, kind of the, the, the known for good players. It's around $120,000 a year. Um, now in terms of kind of going off of the month thing, because $10,000 to about per month, $20,000 per month is the highest to my knowledge. Um, if you were to be working on a full roster, that is going to be $1.5 million converted in terms of month is or months is going to be $125,000. So if we're going off of a month basis, you can realistically have five to seven players and all kind of pay them around, you know, a little bit less, but around the kind of like the 15 to $20,000 mark, um, which when it comes to franchising is not crazy. Like in, in terms of expanding and duplicating salaries, that's not 
you're not asking a crazy amount. Um, I will say, and you, we can talk about the overall idea of franchises, the overall idea of Call of Duty salaries being high in the first place, which I would agree about that. But in terms of the expansion, these numbers aren't really that surprising to me. Um, I do find the fact that they are interested in, in a future 28 team city based league, uh, interesting as well. I'm always just curious, like what their kind of hopes are, what their, uh, roster hopes are in terms of like how many teams they want to have in the league. Uh, but 28 is, is very interesting. Uh, right. And I think as of this moment, there are seven confirmed. There's an eighth one that we'll be talking about here in just a moment that most likely is happening as well. Um, but I, I don't think that's kind of too out of the picture. I'd be interested to see, you know, in the future, if we do have 28 teams where all those players are coming from, how that's starting to look. And that kind of throws a whole other mix, uh, into the dynamic of right now having, you know, what 12 teams is what kind of the rumor is to going to later on 28. Um, but in terms of like selling rights in terms of, uh, you know, the deals in terms of how much money can be generated, I'm curious how, the CDL will work in terms of selling to Twitch because that was a really big deal. A lot of people did not think um, that that would be a good idea um, and that Twitch spent a little bit too much, which $45 million on, I think that's just one year, is a ton of money. And are they getting that money back? Uh, who knows, right? But if they were to work out a deal uh, with Twitch as well in terms of the CDL, I think that'd be fantastic and probably would account for a lot uh, of different cash or a lot of different uh, opportunities to kind of come about from that. Because for those who watch the Overwatch League, you know about how many little details are kind of involved uh, within the... Um, kind of system that Twitch works. So it's like if you, you know, tune into the OWL broadcast, you're going to get a number of different bits. You're going to get all kinds of little different sponsorship activations, which is incredible. So I'm hoping that the CDL will sign with Twitch in some capacity and how much money will that generate? Who knows? It probably won't be as much as the OWL, but hey, franchise spots were initially, who knows what's going to happen, uh, but it should be fun. It should be interesting. Uh, and I also do find the seven to 10 player rule uh, also not really that shocking. A lot of people were saying, oh my gosh, like seven to 10 players, that's absurd. But when it comes to substitute roles, it's a thing. Uh, it, it is a thing. OWL, if you are curious how the CDL, how COVID is going to work for next season, watch Overwatch League. Watch, go back, watch VODs, do some research in terms of, of articles, even watch the show, because I have been talking about this consistently, that Activision wants this to be the console version of the OWL. So it's not surprising whatsoever that we're seeing very similar rules very similar kind of ideologies to what they want their league to be like because they've already gone through this they know what works they know what doesn't work they know what they want to have they know what they don't want to have so the fact that they're doing very similar things uh is interesting and not really all that surprising so um like I said, seven to 10 players, you must have a general manager, nothing crazy about that one. The max player role, you know, obviously could be up in the air, but nothing really absurd about that by any means. Um, and the other ones are just kind of projections. So like I said, Activision did reply to this, like I said earlier, for those who have just joined us, uh, and they did reply to this report saying that there are some factual inaccuracies. So, you know, we'll have to kind of to kind of see exactly how that one works. Um, but in terms of the chat, what are we thinking right now? Are matches going to be played home slash away or are most in a central location? Um, so... From what we have seen uh, is that they've announced that their inaugural year is going to be uh, homestand events, which for those who don't really know how that works, it's not necessarily home and away games specifically, like how you watch in regular sports. It's not going to be, oh, you know, for tonight, we're going to be watching Paris versus Atlanta, and that's it. No, we're going to be watching pretty much Paris host 
um, probably a week or a weekend, and then all those matches get played there. Or in Dallas, all of our matches are going to be played here. So while Dallas is technically the home team, there will also be other teams, like every team in the league will be playing in Dallas at the same time. Uh, to my knowledge, that's how it's supposed to work. And that's why, how the OWL is trying to function this year as well. And if you've been following, you know, Toronto, if you've been following Dallas, uh, they've been announcing their homestand locations, the places that they're going to be at, the kind of venues that they're going to be utilizing for this as well. So it's not going to be specific home games where it's like, hey, we have our own uh, crew, we have our own infrastructure, we have our own, you know, whatever it may be. They're not based here constantly. It's only going to be for a few times kind of throughout the season. So it's not as influential. Like, you're not going to have the Boston Garden, right? <laughs> it's not like the Celtics are going to be, you know, having one game a night there. It's going to be multiple games, or if not, multiple games on different nights in the same location. So like I said, Celtics will always play home games at their home. And in relation to other, in terms of how esports is going to work, to my knowledge, um, it's also going to represent that in this situation, if we're talking about the NBA, that you could have two teams who are not in Boston play in Boston at the same time, which is kind of odd, but that's kind of how it's going to work, at least to my um, particular opinion, which I think probably is how this is going to uh to see him. but how many spots are we going to have this season who knows i know like i said there's a rumor that it's supposed to be 12 that's what i've also heard but we'll have to see how that kind of goes down uh the next subject we obviously have to cover i know we've, we've kind of gone on for a while but it is interesting uh there is a rumored florida spot for those who have seen for those who have heard a little bit um intel call of duty to the shots crone uh also heard a very similar thing to this as well uh that florida will be the next spot announced which would to my knowledge be the eighth i think we only have seven right now uh florida should be somewhat confirmed i don't think it has specifically been or maybe it has been um so or actually no it has been well we've been live okay i, I was curious I, I checked really quick just to refresh and it has been uh confirmed by activision i believe uh who announced that there will be two more 2020 cdl spots in florida and los angeles uh misfits most likely will, will be that florida team uh the croquis and then in terms of the um los angeles spot i believe that it's supposed to be Genji. Uh, which I believe is, is going to be the case. And I appreciate you guys for, for calling it out. My apologies. I think while we've been live, there's been a few announcements that have kind of come through. So Florida is 100% happening for those who have listened. Uh, and so is the second LA spot, which I believe will be going to Gen G, uh, to my knowledge, which and I think they're supposed to be called um, the LA Battery. For those who've kind of looked at a few of my tweets, I've talked about how I believe that they're going to be called the LA Battery. There was a video that I tweeted that, um, I heard rather that I kind of watched and I saw that that was kind of a rumor that was supposed to be a logo design for them. So for those who are interested, uh, I believe that they are supposed to be called the LA battery. Who knows? But, uh, wait, did I call Kuroki's incorrectly? Kuroki LA. Did I say, did I say it wrong? Am I, am I, am I dumb here? I probably am. I, I, who knows? Uh, LG or rather people are saying that LA is supposed to be the Rams, not Gen G. Really interesting. So I'm learning stuff that I did not know. What did I call out? I think I called that the Kurokis are supposed to own Los Angeles. That makes sense. That I don't know why I said that they own the uh, the Florida spot. So very interesting. No idea how that's going to work out. We are learning things on the fly, folks. Um, but yeah, regardless, interesting stuff. So Kurokis will own the LA position, uh, which is not really too much of a surprise based off their history in terms of the OWL. Um, but uh, Misfits will be owning Florida. Okay, well, I appreciate chat. This is why you guys are clutch. This is why you guys are great, because I wouldn't have been able to figure this out. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you're listening to us in a number of different ways, make sure to always be in the Twitch chat, because it is the best that we've got. But uh, in terms of what we know, because we don't really know a crazy amount, 
in terms of what really all this means. Uh, I want to speak specifically about the Florida spot. Maybe next week we can kind of touch more into the details of LA. All we know, right, is just that the Crokies are going to be owning that one, which obviously they do have a history when it comes down to things in esports. But um, in terms of Florida, I'm not surprised by this one whatsoever. I'm also not surprised by LA again. Um, LA is a very prominent spot. It's uh, It's got to be, I mean, that's pretty much where the central location is for Activision Blizzard. So it's not crazy to me whatsoever that you want to have a fan base kind of in that place. Um, but you talk about Gen G, talk about 100 Thieves. The fact that they're not going to be having those locations is definitely telling. Um, but uh, in terms of the Florida spot, uh, this was kind of rumored previously by Intel Call of Duty, uh, tweeted out how he's heard these things. I've also heard that same thing as well, um, that this was going to be coming from Misfits. And obviously the owner uh, of Misfits, who also owns the Florida Mayhem, the OWL spot, uh, the owner, Ben Spoon, re responded to this tweet and basically said, how big would this be if it was true? Which kind of confirms it at the same time, uh, if you will. So... I've personally been saying Florida uh, makes sense. It's a huge market for esports down there. Orlando wants to be the state for esports, so I'm not shocked by this whatsoever. I think this is a, a great opportunity for uh, the state of Florida to really kind of gain more esports in terms of obviously being in the OWL, being in terms of Call of Duty, I think also is going to help them out a lot. Um, and, and the one thing, too, that I love the most about Florida is the integration that a lot of different companies want to be involved with esports there. So it's not just, oh, we want to be the, you know, the main stage of esports. We really want to be the main state when it comes down to that because we've seen California call this out. We've seen Las Vegas call this out as well. So it's not really a shock that a number of different states or a lot of different cities want to be the basis, Texas even, want to be the basis for esports. But we've seen you know Full Sail University, UCF, even the, the mayor of Orlando, Buddy Dyer, came down for the opening of Full Sail's The Fortress just because he wanted to be involved. He wanted to, he wants to see the growth of esports. And we've even seen, right, Orlando Magic Gaming, when it comes down to the NBA 2K League, Disney has shown interest, which, of course, is the largest company in the world. They there would, It would be silly to not see an investment or a franchise-based in that particular location. So I'm not shocked by any means to see that this is the case. I'm not shocked to see Florida, and I'm definitely not shocked to see LA be kind of duplicated uh, in this moment just because LA is a prime spot. It is the location, and to my knowledge, there were spots that were bidding up a crazy amount, maybe even double what a few other people have played have paid for in the past. So not shocked by this whatsoever. Uh, and also, right, last thing we have to cover is along with organization announcements, we have also seen... Player announcements start to come through. They've started to kind of roll in. I think I, f I saw a few people talk about uh, a few players that have announced while we've been live today. Um, and I believe we've yet to see or kind of hear from a lot of league team players on this. I believe, um, what was it? Frosty announced that he's also a free agent, which he'd have to be a restricted free agent, I'd imagine. If not, then I don't really know what's going on with Midnight. Um, but uh, I have heard what Parasite has announced that he's an unrestricted free agent. Okay, Accuracy has well, which is actually a pretty telling one uh, in terms of his position on EG. And did he tweet? I'll actually go ahead and check right now. Um, did he tweet that he's, okay, unrestricted? So that kind of goes to show what EG's up to. Maybe they're allowing for all players to go free, which I think would be a really bad idea. But I know accuracy was added last second, so not really too much of a shock. But um, Parasite's unrestricted. Raid has announced he's unrestricted. Pharaoh Fellow as well. Wee Man's unrestricted. Um, Blastful has tweeted that he is a restricted free agent under UIU. Shocks is unrestricted. So that isn't too crazy. It really, I mean, it really isn't too crazy. Um, in terms of the way that we're looking at things. Um, and we've yet to hear from league team players uh, a crazy amount of them in terms of what's happening next season. I know Scraps has talked about it. A lot of different players have talked about how they're going back to FaZe, which I think FaZe has like 95 different players right now. So uh, like, the, like the boys on Hunter T, to my knowledge, are supposed to be back on FaZe. 
because of course they were on loan uh phantoms gravity who originally on uh the uh phase organization who obviously were under different ones phantoms on eg uh, obviously gravity was on a different team coming into uh champs as well they're now back on phase so i'd imagine the hunter t players would be as well and i think it's kind of be up to hunter t for what they want to do next season and if they are going to be involved next season as well which kind of is the the main discussion right now in terms of which organizations are going to be involved what and that kind of is also going to play a huge factor and make sure to be aware of this looking at players who are part of these organizations are going to tell a lot so if you're seeing players kind of let if you're seeing or rather organizations let players go that could be an indicator for what their goals are for next season and i'm not saying that hunter t not keeping the phase boys shows what their position is because it does not but just be aware of that for the future how organizations are attempting things how they're looking at certain aspects is going to be very important um, and to answer a few questions, we'll kind of get into those. I know I've seen a lot of people talk about, will there be a fantasy draft next year? I hope that there isn't. It would not make sense for me uh, in terms of if that were to be the case. And uh, one thing that I have heard a, a lot of rumors about um, is that contracts could become void next season. Now, this is a really big detail that I have no clue about whatsoever. It's just a rumor that's flying around, so do not take this with a whole lot of legitimacy. Uh, but to my knowledge, uh, there is a clause in player contracts that talks about how uh, Activision has the ability to get rid of those if need be. Uh, so that is a possibility. Is it likely? I think it's more likely than a fantasy draft, uh, and it wouldn't shock me a ton based off the new organizations that are being involved in Call of Duty if Activision said, you know what, we're allowing for every player to be free. They can choose where they want to go. So if that were to be the case, things would be interesting, uh, that's for sure. So that is something to kind of keep in mind. Is it happening? I have no idea, but it definitely could be uh, something that could be happening You know, as time does go on. Um, well, we've also seen a lot of things be announced in terms of players. We've also seen uh, what the New York position, right? The CWL NYC announced that Revan is going to be their coach and JP will be the analyst. Massive congrats to those guys. If they happen to watch this, if not, obviously tweeted them as well. Uh, Revan, an excellent coach, right? For EG, JP obviously ran constats for the longest of time. That's a great duo to have together, guys who have a lot of chemistry with each other. Uh, and I think you're going to be a fantastic pickup for NYC. And it's great to kind of see them already establishing an infrastructure, being aware uh, of that as well. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what they can do next year as NYC is going to be one of the prime spots and one of the major locations that people are looking at to be a contender for a title next season. So you got to be aware of that. Uh, that's that's without question, right? So like I said, contracts, big deal. Everything's kind of on the table right now. Um, and also, I saw a few questions really quickly, which we'll talk about uh, before we end out the show today, which I know has been a long one, but we talked about how it was going to be an hour at least today. So excited for that to be the case. Uh, people have talked about, will Parasite get on a roster? I've saw a lot of people kind of bring that up, and I see uh, Darth Brendan's bringing it up as well. Uh, will Haggy get picked up in your opinion, which for those who don't know is Parasite? I think there is a chance, and it also does depend on how many teams there are. So if you're looking at, you know what, in terms of the, well, let's kind of go back to the C the CDL this year. We talked about how many teams were kind of involved with it. Um, it's hard. It, it is hard for me to kind of limit and say whether or not I think Parasite will 100% be on a team uh, because I think it is up for conversation and it is something that is interesting. Uh, but you look at how many teams were involved in the league this year, 16. And obviously he was uh, on the midnight roster. It did come with a little bit of changes, a lot of uh, you know roster changes that did occur. If we were to limit it to 12, right, I, I think he's at least a substitute. So to say that he'll be in the CDL, I think is, is a pretty good lock. Um, but at the same time, you also have to be aware 
of a possible substitute position or maybe even a coaching position if he's not in a main lineup. And I think Parasite wants to be in a main lineup. I think if he were to be labeled as a substitute, he'd instantly want to become a coach. And, you know, we talk about there's a lot of teams out there who are going to be looking for coaches. I mean, they're looking for an infrastructure. They're looking for managers. They're looking for a lot of different things. So it would not surprise me um, if Parasite was maybe went to one of those positions. I personally don't think he'll be a player next year in terms of like on a designated lineup in that, in that five um, because of his history with other players, just the way that things have worked out. It could be the case. And I still think the Parasite's a phenomenal player. So don't get that out of the question just in terms of the way that he works with other players and obviously has not been the greatest. So have to be aware of that one. Uh, but to answer the question, do I think he will be on the starting lineup next year? No. And I think if he's not in the starting lineup, he will want to be a coach rather than a substitute. But we'll have to see. And, and how subs work next year, it could be something that he likes. It may be something that he strongly dislikes. Who knows? Um, and then one question that I also really wanted to answer that uh, T Sprinkles brought up in the chat. He also said, uh, do you think Envy tries to buy out Gunless after this season? 100% yes. That is the reason why they allowed Farouk to go over to Splice. They wanted some time with Gunless. And it wasn't necessarily, this wasn't always the goal for them, but to my knowledge, that was the decision. That was what they wanted to do. So their goal for me is that they're going to get Hook back no matter what. Unless contracts you know, go all about if we're going to hit the reset button, if you will, for franchising next year. In this scenario, if contracts were to stay the same, um, players, or rather in this instance for Envy, they 100% are getting Hook back. And if so... Gunless, as soon as he walked through the NVHQ, said, wow, this is amazing. Look at this. Everyone loves me here. There's no strife. There's no anger. There's no problems. He clearly was not happy with Luminosity and probably had a great time despite placing the way that he did at Champs this year, which was a, a huge misstep, right, for him to place top 16, the greatest roster, or rather the uh, the greatest organization at Con Champs in history. I think that they're... He's kind of cool with just being on Envy for next year. I think he's kind of riding this one out. And so he is on loan from Luminosity, uh, as well as Hookah was on loan to uh, to Splice, right, from Envious. I think that Envy would 100% are making for, uh, a move for Gunless. I think they're going to have Gunless and Hook next year at least. Who do they go from there? I don't really know, right? I, I, I don't know if they who they keep, who they don't keep. But I think that that was 100% their goal in this decision. Uh, to my knowledge, there was a conversation that happened between them. So, or rather between Gunless and the organization of Envy. So I'm sure that those conversations are happening. I'm sure that that's kind of something that is only going to continue on. And I think that was their goal, right? They pick up Gunless, which is great, right? You want a player on loan. You want something for Hook. But I think at the same time, that's the move that you're making. And that, that's the forward thinking that you're having as well. So it wouldn't be a shock to me whatsoever uh, if we end up seeing, you know, one of the first announcements be or from Dallas, we see him be added to the lineup along, right, with Hook, which I think was kind of their end game. But, guys, what an episode we had today, right? We had a lot of stuff to unpack, a lot of things to talk about and No Champs. Pretty much was a strong basis for this, but if you have not done so already, make sure check us out on iTunes. Make sure to, of course, check us out here on Twitch if you aren't already. If you're listening to this, if you're watching on YouTube, you're listening on iTunes, check us out. Twitch.tv slash Prediction Esports. We are live uh, in terms of the reload every single week on Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to check us out. Make sure to stay involved in the conversation. Um, and we'll be having a number of different conversations as time goes on. I'm glad that Gunn is bringing this up in terms of the amateur scene. That will probably be a, a subject for next week. I know we talked about it a lot. I know I've kind of totally gone over my time. I'm supposed to go an hour. We're already at an hour and 10 minutes, so apologies for that. But I uh, just want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is by far the most viewership that we have had uh, live on an episode yet, so you guys were great in terms of just being interactive. Um, but like I said, make sure to check us out for future episodes. This was the eighth episode of The Reload. We've got uh, Pure Playmaker, the NBA 
2K show. We've got the OWL uh, show going on as well with Ask Joshi and Lemon Kiwi. We've also got hard reads with uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So, guys, there's a ton of stuff to be looking out for when it comes in a prediction. If you haven't done so already, I promise you are missing out. But that is going to do it for me today. We've got a lot of stuff, like I said, still to unpack for the following weeks. Franchising, it's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get more intense and better. So make sure to do that if you haven't done so already. But that's going to do it here for me today on The Reload. You guys have been a phenomenal audience, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. This is Lan Lano Center signing off for the final time. I'm saying thank you for watching this episode of The Reload, and we will see you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.